Hello and welcome to this episode of Doing Good Through Food, where we talk about how catering and hospitality can be a force for good in the world and for the people who work in it. You can find out more about the show and its purpose on our website, which is doinggoodthroughfood.com. Um, but the best place to engage with us is on Twitter, where we are at DGTF under podcast, or you should be able to find us just by searching for Doing Good Through Food. I'm your host, Alex Coffin, and today my guests are Leila Gasabi and Josh Littlejohn. Leila is co-owner and director of Maison Blue Restaurants, a group of three businesses in Edinburgh. The flagship business opened in Edinburgh Old Town in 1998, serving a mix of French, North African and Scottish dishes. In April 2016, a bistro operation was set up in Morningside, serving French cuisine with North African, Creole, Vietnamese and Scottish influences. Uh, Leila worked in the business from a young age, but then studied psychology at university, moved away from Edinburgh and got experience outside the industry, uh, including working in recruitment and volunteering for an environmental NGO and travelling before returning. She now runs the business in partnership with her father, Dean Gasabi. Josh co-founded the Social Bike Group, which currently operates five sandwich shops in Glasgow, Edinburgh and Aberdeen and a corporate catering business. Social Bite is a social business which donates all its profits to charity and exists to tackle social problems. The company offers suspended coffee and food where customers pay in advance for items on the menu and local homeless people can come into the shop to claim it. 25% of their workforce have experienced homelessness at some point in their life. The intention is for the company to grow into a large chain to compete with the big high street brands while retaining its social purpose. Josh also founded the Scottish Business Awards and was awarded an MBE for services to social enterprise and entrepreneurship in Scotland in the last New Year's Honours list. Social Bite and Maison Blue have joined forces to create Social Bite restaurants and bring the Social Bite ethos into a restaurant environment. In September 2016, they opened Maison Blue at home. <clears throat> Alongside a core of professional staff, Home provides training and employment programmes for, for members of the Social Bite Academy. The charity's four-year paid course for homeless. The restaurant also operates the Pay It Forward scheme and each Monday members of the homeless community are invited into the restaurant for a special service where they can eat with dignity in a beautiful environment. They're being supported in the venture by some of Scotland's best restaurateurs to make it as successful as possible and their work has attracted the attention of Hollywood A-listers as well as the local community. So I am delighted that they agreed to appear on the show. Leila, Josh, welcome to Doing Good Through Food. Hello. Thanks for having us. Hi. Thank you very much for coming on, really. Um, so you're, you're doing some really wonderful things in the industry, and we're going to get into all of that in just a minute. I'd like to start by asking you, you are both of you children of the industry, in a sense. I don't know whether you'd recognise that, that sort of description, but uh, both of you grew up with parents running restaurants. So it must have been a big part of your life or at least at least sort of very familiar to you um so I suppose my question is what did you think growing up that you would come to work in the industry and what might your younger self have thought if they knew that to who <laughs> to, well this is that's to both of you I'd love to hear from both of you whoever wants to um yeah well basically um I I grew up in Algeria and um, kind of always around food and um, uh, my dad, my granny, great granny, everybody was always cooking as I was growing up and uh, we didn't we didn't initially have restaurants, we actually uh, had a construction company over there. When we moved over here in the 90s, um, 
how we got into the restaurant business. And yeah, we had uh, we originally started with Pierre Victoire franchises all over the country, and um, so it's kind of been you know in in my life for 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 a long time, but. Uh, it was never kind of my intention of going into restaurants, but kind of when it's, you know, something that's kind of in, in your family and something you enjoy doing and, you know, and it was it was always quite nice to kind of be in that environment and I kind of fell into it, you know, at a young age. Um, but then, as you said earlier, I kind of went off and did my own thing and um, when I moved back to Edinburgh sort of later on in life, um, what better to do than to kind of get into the family business and, you know, run run restaurants with, you know, with your with your family, I think. Uh, a lot of people, if they could, would um, would kind of follow in, in, in their family's footsteps. You know, if it's a successful business, and um, yeah, so it's something I've always enjoyed doing. And um, and yeah, and uh, I suppose it was kind of inevitable in a way, but also a choice. You know, yeah, absolutely, so. oh, brilliant. And how about you, Josh? Um, well, I, <laughs> I sort of proactively didn't want to ever get into the restaurants. My dad always used to try and say, you know, why don't you join? business and come and work with me and I always really just was the furthest thing from my mind really. <laughs> um, yeah um, and so it almost felt a bit like strange when I found myself even just doing the hospitality in the sandwich shops we started doing the catering and stuff it felt like a bit of a strange gravitational pull um, certainly beyond my proactive choice in a way but you know I think it was in a way coincidence because we with Social Bite we wanted to create a social business that was the the thing, but more so than we didn't actually have a f- format for that to take. So it wasn't like we thought, let's do a sandwich and coffee shop and come up with a social angle. We thought, let's do a social business. What kind of business can it be? And at the time, we had a little office uh, in the centre of Edinburgh, and we were more customers in that market. So I used to go out and get a coffee in Starbucks and get a sandwich in Pret-a-Manger. Uh, so we kind of thought, you know, maybe if we could do something in that kind of marketplace, the customers might choose us. So we almost kind of got into it um, in that way. And then, you know, a few years down the line, I met Dean and we started ta- uh, talking with him and Leila about doing the restaurant. Um, and, yeah, he, he, here I am, uh, sort of following in, in those footsteps in a way. So, yeah, unexpected by the sound of it, but um, brilliant. All right, well, so we'll talk a bit more perhaps in a minute about, um, you know, how you both got into it but I wanted to really sort of jump right in at the start and talk about what what it is you know this this mission which seems to kind of absolutely underpin what you're doing maybe you could just talk a bit about what the mission what exactly it is and and why it is that you chose to focus on homelessness what what was it about that um again with most things that I've ever done it was always quite very organic and almost by accident initially um, so we opened up this little sandwich shop uh, back in August 2012 on Rose Street in Edinburgh um, which we called Social Bite and the original concept was quite one dimensional in the sense we just wanted to try and make a profit uh, and then we selected three different charities to distribute the profits to so that was the original idea um, but ultimately we wanted to just do some good so we um got going and we were open the first couple of weeks and there was a young guy called Pete who sold the Big Issue magazine on the street corner just outside the shop um, and we'd be opening up and closing down and we got chatting to him and after about two weeks he kind of plucked up the courage himself and he asked if he could have a job so we sort of thought well you know the whole point of us being here is to try and do something good so we gave him a job in the kitchen um, and he just worked really really hard and he really valued that opportunity and um, he used to want to stay on and volunteer beyond his paid hours um, and everything else. So when another job came up, it was like kind of the natural decision to 
uh, try that again. So we asked Pete if he knew anybody else, uh, and he recommended his brother Joe, who was also homeless. And then when that worked out, they recommended another big issue seller called John, and then they said, you might want to have a think about this guy, Colin. So before we knew it, really, um, we were employing four or five people who had all been big issue sellers in a little sandwich shop, and we just got increasingly engaged over the course of expanding that social enterprise over the course of five years with the homeless issue, uh, and started opening up the doors to homeless people for free food. Um, yeah, it just kind of took one step after the other and got more more entrenched in it. Okay, so the I mean, you just you just touched on it then the the free food, the um, suspended coffee and food. I think I've you know heard you describe it as at times. So paying it forwards, could you maybe sort of describe exactly how it works? I think there are there are sort of suggested or set donations where you know so people the customers can buy particular things for for people they can pay particular things forwards is is that correct so uh, i'll explain social <laughs> yeah i'll explain the, the maison bleu side of things yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. social, social, social bike people can come into the sandwich shop and they can just buy anything off the menu in advance. So they can maybe sell take a sandwich or a coffee or a hot meal and then we'll charge them for that. And then they write in a little post-it note what it is and then a homeless person can come in, grab the post-it note and they get it for free. Um, so that's kind of the way it works. And then we've adapted that for the restaurant, which Layla can maybe. Yeah, so basically with, with the restaurant, customers can come in and they'll have a normal kind of sit-down meal. Uh, but there's these little uh, pay-it-forward cards on the table. Um, uh, it's all... It's, it's also it's kind of standard that when the customer comes in and sits down that the waiting staff come over and kind of explain the social aspect of the restaurant, um, why we exist, how we partnered with, with Social Bites and, um, uh, and kind of what they're contributing to by physically coming into the restaurant, sitting down and having a lovely meal, you know, just because, uh, you know, as we said before, 100% of the profits do go back to the charity. So, um, but uh, as far as actually paying it forward, a customer can come in, have a meal, and at the, either at the end or at the beginning of the meal, usually at the end, um, just uh, tick one of the boxes on the, uh, on, the, uh, on, the, on the pay it forward card and um, either leave a set amount or they have another a choice of leaving as much as, or as little as they want. Um, and, and then that goes back into, into the social bike charity. So, and it goes towards the pay it forward. I suppose, yeah, it's basically just kind of goes back towards you know feeding the homeless in, in the afternoon and the on a Monday afternoon. It goes back into social bite. All the different projects that social bite are working on. So yeah, it's um, it's, it's it's fantastic, really. And I would say ninety percent of people pay it forward when they come in for dinner, and they don't feel pressurized to do it. It's just something you know. It's kind of like a win-win situation. They feel great about. Donating and um, and you know and it's obviously the money's going to a good cause. So did you kind of work out that that different approach in advance? Because like like from what I could work out, people can just come into the coffee shop and and you know sort of take what's what's been left. They you know that's sort of accessible to them in that way. Was it at the outset? Did you think well it's going to be diff- harder to do that in a restaurant? You, you'd have to put something else in place. Yeah, well, I think in terms of the restaurant. Um, we wanted to have the same kind of social ethos, the same ability for customers to pay something forward. And in a similar way to Social Bite, we wanted to make sure homeless people were welcomed into the same venue. And so every Monday afternoon, they're welcomed into the restaurant and they can sit down and the waiters take their order like they would anyone else. But it's an exclusive service for the homeless. Um, and everyone really, really loves that yeah. uh, service. And I think the staff enjoy it and the, the people come in. It's just gone amazingly well. Um, in Social Bite, it's a bit different in the sense that people can come in <coughs> almost any time throughout the day. So in, in Social Bite, there's an overlap between regular paying customers and homeless people or, or vulnerable people who are accessing the, the free food. Um, but that carries with it a much 
you know, higher costs of social rights, much more like social and charitable in its objectives, and it's much more um, every day, you know, we're doing it, that the proportion of employees is very high, one in four, and that's costly. We have to fundraise to, to achieve that, mm -hmm. additionally to trade, whereas the restaurant was set up with a much more commercial through much more commercial lenses where whilst we wanted to have the same ethos, we didn't want it to be to the same scale. So it's only on the Monday afternoons yeah, um, as, a, as a kind of a special service. And the employment side of things, it's just some sort of training and employment programmes we run through here rather than a, a large proportion of the workforce. So it's much more geared at the at being a commercially successful restaurant with, with a similar social ethos. Yeah, I think I, th I think with um, I think the reason the reason for this was also to kind of bring bring about you know, kind of social awareness. Um, I suppose you know it's something that's maybe not, or you know, I'm, I don't know if it's been you know done before, but um, yeah, it's a pretty kind of unique concept in Edinburgh to have uh, a restaurant, a normally kind of functioning restaurant. You know, you know, just an a la carte restaurant with a social kind of uh, ethos behind it. Um, and any profits that we do make, as I said, go 100% of it goes back to the charities. So it's um, set up for that social purpose. Um, but as as far as as far as the Monday afternoon, it's been it's been going great, and um, it's, you get between thirty and um, thirty and fifty people every day, kind of coming in and having you know a kind of proper sit down meal, and it's just a really nice atmosphere, and the staff really enjoy it as well, and yeah, so it's um, it's just it's a it's a kind of a, it's more of like a, it's quite a feel good kind of experience, which is which is almost always really nice. I think you you touched on it, and I imagine it'd be the same in both. You said it. Uh, the way it sounds to me is it's you know you're you're giving people food and drink but it's not really just that or maybe that's not even the kind of the biggest part of it there's something about the the inclusion being able to kind of come into the restaurant and be served and be acknowledged be recognized is that yeah. is that kind of is that right is that is that sort of how you see it yeah oh completely uh, completely i mean it's <coughs> it's um it's really just to kind of make vulnerable people in society feel comfortable in a, in a situation like this. You would never get, you know, they would never walk into like a, an a la carte restaurant and be like, oh, can I sit down and have dinner? You know, it's not something, <coughs> it's a kind of an experience that um, I suppose, you know, we it's, it's a wonderful experience for, for anyone to have. So, um, so yeah, it's just it's something a little bit different and um, seems to work really well. And um, it's kind of not excluding certain people in society from a certain way of life. Of things so it's um yeah something a little bit different and yeah i think one one of the things in my experience <laughs> with, um you know meeting lots of people from homeless backgrounds is one of the worst things more so than being hungry or <clears throat> being cold or whatever else is being isolated you know it's being really marginalized and ignored and feeling invisible that's mm -hmm. something you hear a lot is that feeling of just literally being invisible in society mm -hmm. so it's about coming in having a beautiful meal but it's, it's more about the interaction with the staff someone to we have lots of volunteers come in and chat to people and ask how they're doing this week and you know try and maybe get them on a bit of a pathway of support via partner charities and whatnot so it's about really uh, just that sense of uh, bringing them in a little bit to, to to society and having a chat with them and make, making them feel less isolated yeah, that's, that's wonderful um really um some of the the audience for this this um show there is kind of like a catering crowd if you like um so I was just wondering are there I mean you, you sort of explained the the way that it works in practice in the cafes the the post-it note um system um 
so in the in the cafes you've got the post-it notes and it, and it works that way are there technical challenges to running it in the restaurant i mean just sort of in a logistical kind of way i, I'm, I suppose i'm thinking um in the uh commercial catering business i understand you you partner with spoonfed to kind of to actually implement this system to kind of to make the, to get this pay it forward system working in that environment are are there kind of particular difficulties with setting that up yeah so it has to be it has to be recorded so it does go through if somebody puts it forward we put it you, know, you have to kind of put it through it is recorded but then um that money is then paid back into the social bite fund so um uh, it goes back into the charity so, so the, 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 the way the way it works behind the scenes financially is that that that's all as Leila says logged through the tills mm-hmm. then that till reports run monthly and then that's donated to the charity donated back, and then yeah. the restaurant bills to cover the cost of the Monday service and um, so it says okay this month we serve 200 homeless people on the Monday and then we've just agreed a per head cost for that mm-hmm. so so a proportion of the donated funds goes mm-hmm. back to fund that service and the rest gets put into fund, fund the work through the sandwich shop <coughs> network I suppose just uh, just kind of uh, one maybe last question on this bit before I'd like to get into kind of how you got to where you are. But I was, is there has there is there ever any difficulty running a, a social business in in catering in getting the balance right between a quality product for cost, for customers? Because you know after all you're competing, you're on the high street and dealing with fully commercial businesses, and you know maximizing the profits to to fund the charitable work that you want to do. How how do you get that balance right? Well, I think with the restaurant, it was always going to be a bit of a challenge, obviously, because, you know, we've got, you know, things like overheads and, um, you know, and we're a very, um, you know, we're, we're at the West End of, of Edinburgh and things like that. And, you know, it, it's it's not it's not easy to make a profit in any way, sh- shape or form in Edinburgh at the moment because this restaurant's popping up every second, you know. So, I mean, commercially, it is quite difficult. And uh, but I think... Uh, I think people will come back not just because it's great food, but I think you know people will come back because of the, because of the social kind of aspect of it, um, and um, you know it's just it's you know it's, it's it has to be a profitable business, so we run it like a like a like a normal restaurant. Um, you know all the costs that we incur, it's all the it's the same as running my restaurant in you know in Victoria Street or or um, or, or, or uh, Morningside, but um, you know it, it obviously it's, there's you know there's there's challenges and you know there's costs and overheads but you just kind of have to kind of you know be as as commercially viable for 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 the customers you possibly can so you know we've got a great product people come in they have great great experience Uh, we've had a look if you have a look at the TripAdvisor reviews the food's fantastic the service is great so um really we're just in our first year of trading so really you know we're still kind of finding our feet a little bit but you know we're doing well and we're getting a lot of support from, you know, from the board. Um, the board, you know, you mentioned the board earlier on. A lot of support from the, the staff are fantastic, and obviously ourselves, Maison Bleu, it's a, you know, it's a Maison Bleu operation. So, you know, we've got kind of blood, sweat, and tears into it as well, which is, and it's just, and it's a great kind of concept. So, but yeah, you know, it's the same challenges as you would face running any sort of restaurant. Um, but um, uh, you know, as we make our name a little bit, things like this, and kind of putting a little bit of PR out there, and kind of and marketing, I think, you know, hopefully it'll go from strength to strength. But you know, it's just, um, but yeah, it's 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 tough. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But it was interesting to hear you say that it kind of gives you a there is a competitive edge to the social work that you're doing. Yeah. You know, that's that's going to attract certain yeah. a certain market to you as well. Mm-hmm. From my experience on that is. Um, 
it is like a balance and there's, there's a spectrum to it. So what our experience with social bite is like the more entrenched we got in homelessness and the <coughs> higher ratio of people we took on from a vulnerable background as employees and the more free food we distributed via this mechanism, the more commercially challenging it was. So it's almost like, you know, there is a sad fact that the more you do socially, the more probably you will, you will not make money. So it's at the point social bite has a social bite has a business model that is largely uh, funded via the trading, but also requires some fundraising to sustain that social impact work. Um, whereas the restaurant is, you know, it has the exact same social ethos, but it's um, it's more geared at the commercial end of that spectrum. Um, mm. so, you know, so. Do you, do you think you'll ever get to a position where it's fully fully funded by the activities? Because I think you were you were talking about wanting to to make it fully replicable and and roll it out. You know. Yeah, we've changed that. that so we've changed that ambition now. Okay. <laughs> that we used to be the ambition. Well, these you know <laughs> things change that you have to kind of work it out as you yeah. go, don't you? It's, uh, yeah, exactly. So no, we don't really want to compete with Starbucks anymore. Okay. We're quite happy with our five sandwich shops uh, in this restaurant, and uh, <laughs> we're, kind of, we're we're. Doing, Expanding in other areas in the terms of we're doing lots more around homelessness. We've launched various projects uh, around building a village for the homeless and all kinds of crazy things that has really evolved in, in lots of different directions. Um, but yeah, in terms of the actual social enterprise, we feel we've got a model that stacks up by hook or by crook. Um, but yeah, it's just been a learning experience over the last five years. Um, we're quite happy to, 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 to you know stick with what we've got from that social enterprise sandwich shop Point of view. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I, if we've got time towards the end, I'm going to I'm going to ask you ask you a bit about the village and the the sleepouts and everything else, all these other crazy things that I've been hearing about, which sound fascinating too. But uh, right, I'm I'm going to just um, maybe sort of go ask you to go back slightly and talk a bit about how you got to where you are. I was going to ask you, Layla, first, kind of I suppose the story of Maison Bleu and and um, you kind of touched on it. How did the first restaurant come to be? Well, we, we um, well, if, oh God, but the, the actual Maison Bleu kind of franchise started in 98. Before that, we had Pierre Victoire franchises, but I mean, um, the Maison, Maison Bleu restaurant, the one at, thank you, the one on Victoria Street, uh, yeah, we opened it in 1998. And um, uh, throughout the kind of, throughout the years, we've kind of expanded, we've opened and, you know, opened and closed restaurants and we've had, you know, but most recently in the past year I suppose it's been a bit it's been a bit mental because we basically opened the bistro last year and then we opened home uh, you know like four months later and you so, just refurbished um, the main restaurant as well didn't you and you kind of it sounded like yeah, crazy we, yeah we refurbished Maison Bleu a couple of years ago we opened we opened the bistro in April last year and then we opened um, this place in in September was it September October last year so uh, it's been a busy it's been a busy old year definitely um, but um but yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's funny that Josh should say that kind of his uh, his, um, his journey started kind of accidentally because I suppose with us getting involved with Social Bite was kind of an accidental thing as well. Um, uh, I think, my Josh, I'm sure, will tell you more about it. But himself and my dad, you know, were kind of sitting at uh, dinner one, one day and Josh had had this idea that he wanted to open a restaurant and he finds himself sat next to a restaurateur, you know, at, at dinner. And right. I think they got chatting. and um, Dean more or less said, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, and Dean, my dad, was immediately like, sounds awesome. Yeah, Quite impulsive, so. isn't it? Yeah. He's quite impulsive. He's quite either. impulsive, my dad, yeah. And I, and, I, and I heard about it afterwards, and I was like, oh, wow. Um, you know, thanks for consulting, but, yeah, let's hear more about it. So, um, But, yeah, so, but it's, you know, it's just one of those kind of, I suppose it's serendipity in a way. It's just like, you know, you find yourself in the right place at the right time. 
um, Josh had this idea that he wanted to, to, to you know, to, to expand and do the restaurant thing. And, and um, you know, my dad's always kind of had a bit of a social conscience anyway, but I mean, it, but I don't think he ever kind of expected to do something like this. But yeah, it was, um, it was kind of an accidental thing that um, has been, you know, that kind of grew arms and legs and, and yeah, and then hey, presto, six months later, we've got a fantastic Brilliant. restaurant in the West End. That's, you know, yeah. So um, that's how that I, I'm sure he will. But I, was, I, I was going to say, uh, while we stay on Maison Blue, maybe you could explain to me what uh, what does food first, then morals mean? Food first, then morals is actually, um, it's a Bertolt Brecht um, uh, saying, phrase that we've kind of shortened a little bit and it's kind of like our motto. So it's a philosophical kind of um it's, it's something we've had even before we got involved with social bite. It's always been our kind of motto. It was just a little um, uh, a, a saying that my dad quite liked, um, and I suppose it's just it's it's kind of it's a little bit frivolous. It's you know it's kind of let's you know let's not think about what eating too much means and let's just enjoy ourselves. How important food is, you know. Sort of, <laughs> I just I really liked it. Yeah, that that was. Yeah. I wonder kind of where it yeah. came from, but yeah. Um, yeah. That's it's a Bertolt Brecht thing, yeah. There you go. Um, mm-hmm. I was just wondering if you saw, maybe uh, I kind of touched on it all in the. Oh, well, I kind of covered it, I suppose, in the introduction. But I was saying you did lots of other stuff. You moved. You moved away. You volunteered for an environmental NGO and you, you know, traveled and all yeah. these, these sorts of things. Um, but you always felt pulled back to restaurants, I think. Or, and, and what, what was yeah. it? I mean, was it, could you expand on it a bit? I've kind of, I've kind of in one, in, in some sort of like shape or form always worked in the restaurants since I was, you know, whatever, 16, 17. So, um, you know, when I was at school, I kind of would go and do a few shifts here and there when I went off, um, I went off to uni, did my own thing, um, studied psychology, came back, um, you know, and although I did go away, I went and lived in London for a bit, worked in recruitment for a while. Um, I kind of always, uh, there's always a kind of social aspect to restaurants that I always kind of felt quite a draw to. Um, and, um, you know, and kind of in my life, and um, yeah, I've always really enjoyed it. So, but same as Josh, in a way, I suppose I didn't, Never, it was never kind of my, you know, I, I never thought that I would end up doing what I'm doing. But um, I suppose um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's, you know, that uh, I've, I've always kind of, I've never aspired to, but I've always really enjoyed. So when I came back to Edinburgh and, you know, and the restaurants are there and it's expanding and, 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 you know, it's like second nature to me. So it was just like, you know, it seems like an obvious kind of path to go down so um and I do I love it you know I still do I mean it's hard work but it's um it's really rewarding when it when it all goes right and not all the stars planets align you know it's, it's fantastic but and it's challenging and there's never you know not one day is the same as the next and and um I actually still go back and do a few shifts in the restaurants now and then just to kind of you know you can't be the invisible boss you have to be quite present I think and you have to be you know, um, so I'm very much involved. You know, I'll go, I'll go on the floor. You know, when managers are on holiday, I'll go in and step in. And um, so I'm not just kind of like office based. I'm you know very much kind of quite quite hands on as well. So, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's great restaurants. Amazing, amazing place. I have a name now in Edinburgh. And, um, um, yeah, and it's, 
it's it's amazing to be involved in something like this. So um, yeah, thank you. Um, Josh, maybe the sort of, I suppose I want to talk a bit about Social Bites and kind of how, how that came to be. From everything that I've been able to find kind of, you know, in my research before this, it seems you kind of, you came at this from quite an entrepreneurial perspective. Um, maybe you could talk a bit about the your ventures before Social Bites. Yeah, uh, well, I left university and I originally wanted to go and get a job for the government. That was my ambition to go be a civil civil servant, try and be an economist or, some, or something. Uh, so I applied for this job and um, it was a big, long application process. And you know, I went down to London and did these assessment centres and everything else for six months and I just didn't get the job. I just got an email saying, sorry, you didn't get it. So it was a bit like, more if not really wanting to go through that whole grad scheme thing again, I decided to try and set up my own business. Um, so I set up a little events company uh, in Edinburgh that I called Capsule Events and started brainstorming different event ideas and, and, and organising events. So I did that for about three years. Um, we put on some quite big events and we created this event called the Scottish Business Awards, which became really big and, um, you know, we invited lots of famous, world-renowned figures to come and be the speaker at that. So that kind of put us on the map a little bit. Um, and, yeah, just during the process of setting up this events business I, I came across I read a book by a guy called Professor Muhammad Yunus uh, who's this guy based in Bangladesh and he wrote this book about he called described a social business uh, and that was the original kind of turning point where I thought that was a cool idea and um, yeah that that's started leading us down a path of more of the social enterprise route. I did watch your your TED talk when you were talking about Muhammad Yunus and and sort of the effect that that had you you traveled after reading the book, you actually kind of went to spend time with him, didn't you? You sort of lived with him and his family for a short while, and it's um, it obviously had a really profound impact. Well, I didn't live, yeah, I didn't live with his fam family. I basically like stalked him for a while and tried to like. Uh, get, I said, "Can I have a meeting?" I was like really inspired by him, so I kind of a meeting with him, and I got in touch with his office in Bangladesh. And there was a time difference and a language barrier, and eventually they said, "If you want to meet him, you'll need to come to Bangladesh." I asked, you know, is he in Europe at any time or whatever? And so, no, if you want to meet me, I need to come to Bangladesh. So this was in 2011. Uh, so he said he's here in Bangladesh in October. So if you want a meeting, you can come then. So I said, OK, book us in. So myself and my ex-girlfriend Alice went to Bangladesh for a little holiday. And then we met him and we spent a weekend. We toured around his different social businesses that he'd set up there. And some of them were, like, massive. He set up this thing called the Grameen Bank, uh, which started lending money to poor rural women who were completely um, excluded from the financial system, and he started lending them money. They couldn't read or write, couldn't sign contracts, um, they didn't have a bank account, but he set up this thing, and it grew and grew and grew to the point it lends out over a billion dollars a year to uh, rural women that are completely excluded, typically, from the financial system. And then he set up lots of other things. So we went to visit this, and these kind of things and that was just a, a really inspiring experience and that was what really kind of lit a fire in us to go back to Scotland and take a big gamble really and we, we sold off the big event that we'd done that we, which was this exhibition and we sold it and managed to get £40,000 uh, for that for selling it and then we put all that £40,000 into opening up a little sandwich shop um, on Rose Street and that was it Well it's it's inspirational hearing about um you know, Mohammed Yunus and the, the things that he's done. So I'm sure, I'm sure, meeting him and seeing it was was incredible. That's um, yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. I, when 
I mean, I think you kind of answered this already. I was going to ask you why why food, but you said it it kind of could have been anything. You, the social purpose came first, and the sandwich shop kind of was a vehicle to do that. Is is um, yeah? Was I mean, was there anything sort of particularly suitable about it? I don't know that something about that as a format. It was mainly just because, like, when we had a an, an worked in an office. We found ourselves, you get caught in the same, it was more thinking about it from the business sense of like, you get caught in the same routines. So I find myself going to Starbucks or whichever coffee shop it was every single day, you know, or you go to, once you get into a particular, you get like Pret-a-Manger and you like their particular sandwich and you just get into a routine, you just go to the same place at least two, three times a week if you're, you work in an office, you know, and you find this office worker market are pretty loyal, more out of a pattern. They get in a pattern of going to the same place for lunch. So we kind of felt if we could open up a sandwich shop and we competed on the food and we, we just copied all Pret's recipes. We went in and said, oh, look, avocado and crayfish, not coffee. <laughs> you know, if we do it the same and we do it a little bit cheaper and it has a social mission, well, you know, surely people would come to that. Um, so that was it. Uh, so, yeah, so we opened up... Um, the Pret-a-Manger styled menu, uh, slightly cheaper price, and then this, and then, and then it was the social mission that actually really evolved. And um, as I say, you know, we it didn't start off too much to do with homelessness, and then as we expanded the shops, you know, that was that was then the purpose. Um, so uh, yeah, it was kind of in terms of setting up initially, it was more of the logic that if you could win the the loyalty of a customer, then you know, they'll be with you for a long time. And what's funny is that that's true because I used to, when we set up, me and Alice obviously worked in the shop and we worked there for at least a year, um, you know, making the sandwiches, serving the customers on the tills, evangelising about the concept. And now I pop back into the shop for meetings and stuff and then I still see this, a lot of the same faces that I used to serve five years later. Yeah. So that loyalty, like, and that kind of business is really, you know, true. Yeah. Um. One other thing I was going to ask you, um, just while we're talking on social bites, and I, I suppose it kind of it, it applies to all of these ventures. It, it seems like in in everything you do, you have um, shown this kind of this this knack of engaging with extremely famous people and bringing them into bringing bringing sort of attention onto ventures as a result. Um, I suppose maybe just how have you done that? And I, I I think in your talk it seems like Bill Clinton at the the Scottish. Um, Scottish Business Awards was a sort of a pivotal thing, perhaps. Maybe you saw like this is possible. Was it was it that that you saw you, this can be done and the effect this is the effect it can have, and you've just kind of gone on to do it again and again. Basically, yeah. But the Business Awards was the key reason because uh, we we basically we set that up in its first year, and you know we called it Scottish Business Awards. And then we sent a letter to like almost every business in Scotland saying, congratulations, you've been nominated for the Scottish Business Awards. And a lot of them went, shit, we've been nominated yeah. for the Scottish <laughs> Business Awards. Um, and so we sold the event out. Very sneaky. It was, it was like a con So we got like 800 people there. And we booked Bob Geldof to come and be, give the keynote speech. Um, and I realised it was a good platform to raise some money because a lot of very wealthy people had confirmed to attend because they were up for an award. Um, you know, so, but the, anyway, it was 800 wealthy, influential people there. So we started p- to pull together prizes for an auction. So 
I was just started writing off speculative letters to all kinds of people to get auction prizes, and I think I wrote to Andy Murray and asked for a tennis lesson, and I wrote to the Formula One drivers and asked for a track day, and so on and so forth. And one of the people I speculatively got in touch with was the Clinton Foundation and asked if we could have a meeting with Bill Clinton to auction off. And they came back and they asked me some questions about the event. And you know, I said, well, we're talking about the Scottish Business Awards here. This is a major deal. The Scottish um, Business Awards. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so they offered us this, big, this prize of like, come and spend the day with Bill Clinton in New York on the condition that we raised £60,000 and split half of it with the Clinton Foundation. So we successfully did that on the night, and that gave us a little connection in with the Clinton Foundation, who I subsequently phoned up when I was, we were brainstorming speakers. And I said, look, what would it actually take to bring Clinton over to do a speech? And then they said, you know, effectively, you need to make a really sizable donation to the Clinton Foundation, and he'd come. So we basically agreed a deal, effectively. Uh, and then I, we, we put on the event again with Clinton's name attached, and we had to really frantically sell the tables um, at the event to... to that make that donation but then suddenly after that happened you know it was a real big thing and that that got us in the thought process of inviting world-renowned people and we knew via the awards platform we had the ability to sell tables and get sponsors in order to make make a sizable donation so it was became like the clinton one i think it had 1200 people there so it was a, by far the biggest event in scotland uh, um, of that nature and um, so then we went and we managed to get Richard Branson the next year we made a donation to Virgin Unite uh, and then we started some, we started thinking about other people and then we made an approach to George Clooney via his charity and we, we managed to get him to come and then when, when Clooney came that we said we sort of asked said, well whilst you're in Scotland would you, would you like we'd like to invite you to come and visit our little salmon shop on Rose Street uh, Social Bite and he said yes to that but so Again, you know, I don't think he thought too much of it. It was just effectively for him a charity-based venture. There was 10 minutes in his itinerary for the day and his charity was getting a big donation. And, you know, I don't think there was too much thought to it, but I don't think he really expected us to sort of tip off the global media that George Clooney was popping into for a sandwich. Um, so, you know, he arrived off the plane and got a taxi to the social bike shop and there was literally wall-to-wall -wall, like paparazzi a sky news truck parked around the corner like hundreds of like screaming women and he just like totally handled it with aplomb he was just like hey and signing autographs and came in super charming with everyone um and that was it so then you know that in terms of social bike really elevated our ability to you know to fundraise and, and advance what we're trying to do around homelessness and you know it was definitely realised and understood the power of that celebrity attachment um, to, to, to further what you're trying to do. Thank you. Um, so maybe we could talk for a bit about, um, I, again, I think we've kind of touched on it, but how the partnership came to be. You said you, you sat next to Dean at, a, at an awards, uh, sorry, at dinner, but um, how, your partnership, I think you were introduced to it by a mutual, a mutual friend, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and how did... Uh, Okay, and how did it all kind of, how did it um, happen, you know, the partnership happen as far as the three of you goes? Uh, well, lately, just once Dean had, once I had the chat with Dean about this idea of trying to do a restaurant, then Dean obviously spoke to Layla and said, listen, this is what... This is what's happening and stuff, and I suppose, yeah, I mean, Hamid uh, uh, who introduced, um, who introduced the two, um, sorry, introduced, I suppose, Josh to, to, to my dad, um, is um, yeah, he's 
he um, he was very much like an advocate of the idea as well. And you know, he's got you know he's he's got a, a, a company here in in Edinburgh. Um, and they donate a lot of money to charity, and I think he's got, you know, they've got a massive social conscience, and I think, you know, it was, uh, for, for him, I don't know that anything, anything was orchestrated, but I think it just kind of, again, all the planets kind of aligned, and everybody was, you know, really up for the idea, so um, I think that's kind of how it came about, and... Um, yeah, when my dad kind of brought it to me, obviously I'm kind of in charge of all the operations and all the rest of it. He was like, you know, this is what's going to happen. We had to kind of figure out the logistics of it, you know, you know the financial logistics of it as well, and you know, and um, uh, you know, it's basically opening, it's it's basically opening a brand new restaurant, but pretty much kind of ripping it out, building it from 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 scratch, staffing it, you know, and uh, and it all happens quite quickly. So I suppose uh, for us it was. Um, you know, a, a lot of hard work, but um, you know, it was it's, it's something that happened. I think within within six months of these guys meeting, and <laughs> you know, and um, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty rapid, and we managed it, and we opened it, and um, and yeah, it's yeah, we, we had Leonardo DiCaprio here last year as well. I don't know if we mentioned that. I, I saw it. I don't know if we talked <laughs> yeah. about it, but yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty. I saw a lot of people getting into the photo. That was. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so so yeah, so he he came in for lunch and things like that. So yeah, but no, it was um, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was it, it kind of just kind of grew, grew arms and legs. It was something that uh, I think kind of was an idea of Josh's, and my dad immediately kind of was like, "This is a great thing to get involved with." And um, we've got other charities that you know that you know any profits kind of. We've got three charities that we, Maison Bleu specifically. Um, uh, kind of advocates. Uh, it's the um, the Di um, Diabetes UK, Asthma UK, and the Syrian refugees. So, um, and my dad's, you know, all things that my dad was like very passionate about, and, and myself as well. And we were like, well, yeah, fantastic. We'll get involved with Social Bite, but we'll get these charities involved as well. And um, yeah, it was just something, you know, something that kind of d developed and grew. Um, and yeah, we, we are where we are now. I, yeah. I did want to ask so. you about the other charities because obviously mm -hmm. the, the direct action in the business is, all, is around homelessness. Um, but you you support yeah. other charities, mm -hmm. both both of you separately. Yeah. So the the way that yeah. it works, if I understand right, is that half the proceeds go to Social Bite from from home, and half of it goes to to the charities you nominate. Is is that how it works? That's right, yeah. So um, any profits made, 50% um, goes to Social Bite and then 50% goes to our charities, to Maison Blue Charities. So, I mean, it's... <coughs> it's um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it was it was never... That was never kind of, like, the intention, but I think, you know, because we were going to be so kind of, like, um, just so actively involved in it, it was kind of important for us to, to, give, to give those charities a little bit of a platform as well so and, and josh you you also support other charities that you know homelessness is is the focus of the work that you do but there are other things as well is that that's correct isn't it well less right. so now i mean through the business awards we've donated loads of money uh, several million to various causes but in terms of social bite you know that was the original idea as i said didn't have anything to do with homelessness it was to try and make a profit and then we'd selected three different charities but the model evolved and as i said as you create more social impact within the 
internal workings of the business around employment and food provision, and it totally changes the commercial picture around profitability. So, you know, effectively now, Social Bite is, as I say, requires us to fundraise to sustain that that core social impact. So, initially, when we first opened, we would manage to donate several tens of thousands of pounds. I think it was 60, 70 grand away over the first year or two to various, <coughs> various causes, and we did that via different mechanisms of supplier rebates and all this kind of thing. But now we're more just focused on homelessness. It's brilliant. Okay, well, just to sort of start bringing it to a close, I wonder if you could kind of talk a bit about, we could talk a bit about what the future holds, I suppose. You you were saying the, um, when, you, when you started out with the cafes, the plan was, you know, on the high street, rival the big, the big chains and and do it in a social way um that's not the plan now and, and you're kind of more focused on these you know various other ventures but kind of st- focusing on homelessness in a, in a kind of in a direct way what what's the plan for the the cafes for social bite restaurants are you looking to expand is it is it that you're kind of at the level that you can can do yourselves at the minute might you look to franchise out or get partners in other areas to take it out of Scotland to spread it more more widely. What what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, with the restaurants, uh, I mean, obviously, we're just only in our first year of trading. Our birthday's uh, next month, I believe. Yeah, next month. Um, so, you know, it's still very new. Um, I think there's still, you know, there's still the aspect of we, you know, we need we need to see how profitable this you know the business can be. I mean, it's fantastic. I think. I wish I had the the actual figure of how much we've raised and pay it forwards through the restaurant. Um, I, I, I want I wanted to give you guys a figure, but um, but um, yeah. So I mean, and it's it's fantastic to have that. Um, uh, but as far as you know, the business itself is concerned, there's still a lot of work to be done. And you know, as I said, we're very very new, and um, you know that we we're still kind of in a. Um, in a situation where we, you know, we're still kind of finding our feet a little bit, and um, as far as kind of franchising it, you know, making it a, a national or a global thing, it that might be on the cards. But um, right now, we're kind of we're really focusing on making this business here, this particular restaurant, profitable. Um, and we've got got a lot of really exciting things coming up. Um, we've got Martin Wishart coming here, uh, who's a um, Michelin star restaurant, a Michelin star restaurateur. Uh, in Edinburgh, he's had, having a dinner here on the eleventh um, of October, and then we've also got Tom Kitchen coming and um, Nick Nairn as well. These are actually confirmed um, guest chefs that are coming in, and they're coming in to ha- you know to basically cook on, uh, just basically cook, and um, just raising you know the pub- public profile of the restaurant and stuff like that. So there's a lot of exciting things happening, and I think we need to continue to kind of just really get the word out and um, really kind of you know push the you know the, the social message and also just um uh yeah just kind of just 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 make the whole just make everybody kind of aware of of, of what we're doing and, and why we're here mm. so um when we feel really comfortable with what our product is i think maybe then we can think about expanding brilliant okay um josh is the same sort of what are your your plans for the future um, yeah, we're just, I suppose, increasingly focused on homelessness in Scotland. Um, you know, as, a, as a, again, we delve further and further into the issue, we start to understand more about the statistics of the issue nationally. So, um, 
my understanding is there's 11,000 homeless households in, in Scotland total. Uh, so it's about 20,000 individuals who are homeless, but some of them are couples and families, so it's about 11,000 households. So the thing that strikes me about that figure is it's not that big. You know, I think like if you have a bit of focus on that and you really galvanise momentum across the sectors and include the government and the local authorities, but also the private sector and the other charities, the homelessness sector, it's not beyond Scotland's sort of wit as a nation to sort that out for 11,000 uh, households. Um, so we're increasingly focused on, on, a, on a variety of initiatives and projects and fundraising events, um, specifically with these, this kind of national homelessness issue in mind. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, as Leila says, we can see what comes in terms of expanding the particular uh, operations, be it the restaurant or the sandwich shops, or if there may well be opportunities that, that come forward in future around that. But certainly, you know, my focus is on the issue of homelessness in Scotland and trying to, you know, work and collaborate with others to do as much as we can on that. Brilliant. And, yeah, so sleep-out events, I saw the, the social bite village that you... Like you talked about and brew gooder, I've seen that's that's a sort of another another. It seems like you're kind of fingers in lots of pies. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, the village is a is a great one that we raised money for last Christmas, and we're uh, we're in the process of building these little uh, eleven little prefabricated houses, uh, and we've been given a plot of land from Edinburgh Council to to build this little village on uh, with eleven two bedroom houses and. A sort of centralised community hub, um, and we've teamed up with a charity to provide lots of support for those re residents when they're in. Uh, and the idea is, people that are currently homeless can come and live there, find their feet over a 12 to 18 month period before being supported onto somewhere permanent and hopefully helped into employment. Um, so that's a, bit, a big pro project at the moment, which we expect to be launched early next year, um, and the first residents to be mo moved in maybe around February time. Um, and yeah, and then the, the, the sleep outs, this big event on December the 9th uh, in Princess Street Gardens. Uh, we're, we're trying to pull together 9,000 people to come and sleep in the cold and raise money and awareness. Yeah, you've got uh, Liam Gallagher busking and yeah. John Cleese reading stories. Yeah. I, I would have thought that would that would get 9,000 people Hopefully, in. hopefully, hopefully. Right, about 2,000 at the moment. How much are we on? Yeah, I think you're going to, I think. So we've got 7,000 more to go. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's my job at the moment is trying to persuade people to come and sleep in the cold but yeah it's amazing it's amazing how heard, is it tense as well no just yeah yeah <laughs> well if they had tents it would be too much of a music festival <laughs> yeah exactly uh, yeah so but that, to be honest it's amazing how daunting a prospect that is for people to sleep in the cold because i did think you know with liam gallagher and all these musicians and john cleese and blah 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 that you know we'd hopefully sell it out quite quickly but People don't. When the prospect of sleeping out in the cold, that's no one's thinking about Liam Gallagher really. That everyone's thinking about the sleeping out in the cold bit. Um, so um, yeah, it's proven to be a challenge, but it's a challenge that we're working really hard on. And, and yeah, hopefully we'll we'll get nine thousand people uh, there in the night. Yeah, and we're um, you know obviously we're promoting it here in the restaurant as well. And um, I think we really need to do quite a, quite a big kind of kind of social media kind of push as well and uh, get a little bit of uh, yeah but pr proper buzz about it so uh, we've still got what is it a couple, a couple of months couple to go months, yeah. and um, you know we're going to be promoting it in all of our restaurants and um, you know it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm confident well, and anything we can do to help promote it here as well when we close this off I'd like to you know to get any uh, you know get you to direct people to wherever you want to tell them tell them 
where they can find you and all that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, anything that we can do to help that would be great. Um, let's let's just finish it up then. I'm sort of mindful of, of time. And um, just a closing question. It is sort of a bit more general, but I'll, I'll kind of one of one each, I think. Um, let's say... Leila, if I ask you first, what what is your favourite thing to do that has nothing at all to do with catering? Um, my favourite thing to do that has nothing to do at all with catering. Uh, I would probably say singing. Really? <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Music. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, you have to do a duet of Liam. <laughs> you will. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to. <laughs> it would be amazing. Sell, sell the rest yeah. of those tickets. You go. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, and Josh, can I, um, I'll ask you, in, in the context of the catering industry, if I say success, who do you think of and why? Um, <coughs> I don't know. Maybe, I guess Jamie Oliver springs to mind because he's, you know, been really successful, but he's always had to, you know, he set up initially with 15, which is a similar uh, concept around the employability. And, you know, he's focused a lot on the campaigning side of things in different areas. So, um, yeah, got, got lots of respect for him. Brilliant. All right. Well, it, I will, I think we'll leave it there. You know, I think we've, we've covered loads of stuff and really, I hope, I hope you feel like sort of explained what it is that you're doing and, and where you're coming from. And um, I'd, I'd really like to, to thank you for coming on the show and, and giving me your time, you know, spending sharing your stories it I, I found it really fascinating um and i'd like to wish you all the best for the future with everything you're doing in in all of those ventures um where like can they said, sign up for sleep in the parks at www.sleepinthepark.com oh yeah www.sleepinthepark.co.uk and also the, the one the main thing we want people to do is come and eat in the restaurant so if you're in edinburgh mm-hmm. anyone listening come and uh, go home by maison blue cafes and how, if somebody's, if somebody's sort of, um, you know, wants to, to help in some way or wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to, to do that? Just so if you look on the social bike website uh, or, or the home. Yeah, we've got, I mean, we've got online bookings and um, obviously we've got, we've got a website um, as well. So just to, you know, they can just kind of Google us and, um, you know, they can book online or they can call the restaurant. Um, and um, yeah, it's also kind of... Cr- pushing christmas bookings at the moment as well so you know if you've got you know if you're you you know you're a corporate kind of company and you want to come and have your christmas party at the restaurant you're also helping the homeless and you're putting your money into a good cause so it kind of by default by coming and having you know your your christmas party here you're basically um doing something good yeah so Hmm. brilliant all right well yeah so if you're in the edinburgh area listening or around and and uh yeah do get yourselves down there to to help out um and sleep out as well go and listen to listen to everything in the park but guys thank you thank you again for your time i'm going to just finish by saying thank thanks to the listeners for giving your time as well uh listening to the conversation and i hope you found it interesting and inspirational too thank you very much and we'll see you next time thank you thank you